Hello guys, welcome back to Board Draw, but not Board Draw as you know it. This is episode one of... Welcome, welcome. Of the Board Draw World Cup season. Let's World go. Cup is upon us, it's kicking off on Sunday. It is Tuesday as we speak, so not long to go. No, a few days. Only Get a excited. few days, yeah. And um, we're going to discuss uh, a few things this episode. Uh, we will be beginning by discussing the Qatar World Cup, how we sort of got here and all the sort of implications around that. Our feelings on it. Yeah. Where we're at with it. Yeah, if you don't want to listen to this part, if you're not interested, you want to get into the actual football talk, uh, I will leave a little time code that you can just click on and uh, you can skip just when we get to the meaty football grub. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so... So, we've got a Winter World Cup. It's a Winter World Cup. It's weird. Usually, you know, I mean, I remember back in my school days when... We would finish for the summer and then you've got the World Cup starting and you're all hyped, you know what I mean? There's a massive build-up to it. This one feels a bit subdued for a lot of reasons. Obviously, mm. there's a lot of negative stuff going on in the world right now. Um, it's also fucking November, uh, which is a bit minging. Um, and obviously, there is just a massive shroud of... Ugh, surrounding <laughs> um this world cup where yeah. where are you at where are you are you hyped are you ready to go or are you like mm? i think now that it's so close i think the overriding feeling is hype like i am like it's always exciting international football world cup is always a big vibe but like you said getting here has been sticky there's like so many issues that have like gone either unchecked or swept under the carpet and it's just kept going and kept going and somehow we're now we're at a world cup in the winter in qatar but there's like some issues that get swept under the carpet and you can kind of leave it like it being in december like if it's summer if it's winter no one's getting hurt but then there's stuff like inclusivity issues how stadiums in qatar are being built stuff like that that like you can't sweep those things under the under the carpet. And so it's a sticky one in the sense that it's hard to be excited totally for an event that has so many kind of poor implications associated with it. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, it's very difficult and it, football fans right now around the world are being put into an ethical dilemma that they shouldn't be in. They're, they're being asked to think about the moral implications. And if you turn around and say, oh, I'm only watching it for the football, you're called a hypocrite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're not allowed to watch the football without technically supporting what's going on. Yeah. But I, I, I don't really agree with that statement. I think that's a very absolute sort of thing to say because the the... The lines between sort of the like the grey area is very foggy, mm. where you can tread. Obviously, you have the terrible like lack of inclusivity and everything that's going on. Um, that's the complete red zone, and then you could have the green zone by just boycotting the entire thing and not watching it. But as football fans, it's a World Cup. Yeah, um, they come but, around once every four years. It's the the World Cup hits different, to be honest. And for some people, it's literally like their livelihood. If you're like a I don't know a sports journal or fucking. You're, you're a, a pundit. T- pundit or whatever. Content creator. You can't... <laughs> us. Not that we're making any sort of living. But um, you can't 
like you said, you're getting put into like a moral dilemma where it's like, do you absolutely write off the biggest footballing event ever of the kind of four years? Do you write it off completely because of the backstory? Or do you go there, appreciate it as just a footballing event, and then you have to kind of live with the idea that you're blanking out quite a big moral situation? Or do you go there, take on the football, and talk about the moral dilemma? There's kind of like three places you could be. And I think we're like nearing the third one, where we're obviously there predominantly for the football, but we are super aware of the kind of implications morally for certain people in society. And so I think we do want to lean into that and be like, yes, there are fundamental issues with a World Cup being held in a state such as Qatar. And I think the main one is the inclusivity issues for me, um, because the World Cup, like you said, is like the biggest footballing event of everyone's calendar. And it is of everyone's calendar. So the idea that like certain people aren't like feel a certain like dissociation with this event because of where it's held is kind of crazy like imagine being like a a person that's watched their nation for like their entire life they're like 50 years old but because they're a gay fan can't go to the event obviously you can watch it at home but it's like they can't go there and be themselves. They no. have to either go there and pretend to be someone that they're not, which is just completely yeah. not what football's about. Football's taken massive, massive strides in recent years yeah. for to speak out for people who were outspoken in the football community. Um, you look at the Kick It Out campaign, mm. you look at the Rainbow La- uh, Laces campaign and things like that. It's really important that we use the platform of football to be able to uh, support people and, and make them feel welcome and include them. Inclusivity inclusivity yeah. is a massive part of the game. You look at what England winning the, the uh, Women's Euros has done for women's football in England. Um, you were, you went to the Arsenal-Tottenham women's game, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, it was uh, crazy. Which, like, broke records in yeah, the yeah, UK. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, which is amazing. Um, and yeah, the fact that it is, we are now in a time where the, World Cup has been held in a state that doesn't support these ideologies. Yeah. Uh, it is, it's disappointing. Um, and you can look back on when Qatar was even awarded the World Cup. I think it was a massive surprise to everyone in America. The America, yeah. Canada, Mexico sort of coalition was the front runner for it. And then there was a lot of behind the scenes, a lot of dirty FIFA goings on uh, surrounding Set Blatter and... Yeah. Um, I can't remember his name. Bin Haman, the uh, he was like the deputy chief to set Blatter. He's like he is from Qatar, um, and he was the one that sort of pushed this all through a lot of dodgy dealings and stuff. And the fact that, that these people have now been prosecuted for what has gone on behind the scenes, but it, the stuff they've organised is still going on. It's yeah, crazy. I mean, it got to a point though where like, is it, it, it perhaps t- too late? Oh yeah, yeah. And oh, like, yeah. you know, because there was a point where. in its initial stages when it was first awarded there were a lot of uh, shouts for it to be removed instantly and uh, I believe America actually thought they were actually going to get given it Mm. uh, instead of Qatar after the announcement was made but it is it is strange and like you, you don't need to have three brain cells to look at what happened and think there is a lot of dodgy goings on. Qatar has no football merit and I'm not saying the World Cup can't be held by a, a country which has 
a smaller footballing background or anything like that because that's it, it definitely can but this country didn't have like a single stadium that could facilitate yeah. a world cup crowd so they've had to build all these stadiums there name me like one qatari football player the the most famous thing that qatar have done in football is buy psg yeah and i think that's kind of it's all stemmed from the fact that now like in my mind it's like you can't have something as big a platform as football and it not be politically driven anymore because like back in the day you wouldn't have like a global audience and so people with stupid amounts of money would kind of push their agenda in different way a bit like i don't know buying news sites and i don't know stuff like fox and whatever but now i think most like multi-billionaires know that the best way they can like push agendas is through sports and mainly yeah. football because it's the biggest it's, it's like yeah exactly so if you've got an agenda to push you get involved in football somehow be it like um roman abravich buying chelsea and doing his dodgy money that way or sheikh mansour buying man city or qatar buying their way into the world cup if you want an agenda pushed football is the way to do it because if you've got hella money football is it's an opening, it's cr- isn't it? You're, it? you're basically buying a market. Yeah. Because no matter what, if you have the money to buy a club like the statue of a PSG, everyone will see it at some point because yeah. they just are a giant of football. So you're buying a market. Yeah, 100%. And it's like, and football is fundamentally like corrupt from the top. If you have enough money, you can buy your way in right at the top. And so like companies like Emirates and um, Etihad, who probably had kind of like a dodgy backstory they buy themselves a big team and they immediately become household names etihad stadium the emirates stadium you just desensitize people to the emirates of, fa cup exactly so you just like desensitize people to kind of the backstory and people just automatically kind of remember good things about it like oh like the emirates stadium love that etihad stadium love that so you kind of push your agenda through football and i think that's what qatar have done they had an agenda that they are this new emerging nation that are super inclusive. They want to unite the Middle East, blah, blah, blah. And maybe they do. I don't know enough about the government of Qatar to say they do or they don't. But what I do know is that they've got this agenda that they've come out of a Middle Eastern war and want to kind of unite the Middle East. And they think the best way they can do to push this agenda is via football. And so, buy the biggest footballing tournament in the world, push this agenda that you're a nation of inclusivity to everyone, everyone can come, watch the World Cup in your new nation, but then you get to kind of like the nitty gritty when it's happening, and then you realise not everyone can come to this new hustle and bustle nation. If you're gay, you can't come to this new nation. So, it's one of these things where like... It's a conflicting message when you're inviting everyone and you're saying everyone's welcome to come to our nation to watch the the, the biggest sporting spectacle in the world. Mm. But then you're having to facilitate safe houses for LGBT um, and female supporters yeah, or journalists or whatever, because, you know, that it, that is a conflicting message overall. I mean, you also got to look at like pe- people have gone out there. I think there's already one British journalist who went out there to document the construction of the stadiums and things like that and what's going on behind the scenes and uh, he's just disappeared which 
it doesn't surprise you looking, and, and this might be an assumption, but it doesn't surprise you from the outside in because obviously there's going to be a lot of stuff going on that they're probably going to not want to be spilled out. I mean, yeah, any they, are paying, they are paying people to go to the country or people within the country or whatever to pretend to be fans of nations, to get an atmosphere going and also to sort of like control and coerce where the chants go or to where whatever happens. I think when you have to do that, you're already inhib- inhibiting your World Cup progress or how yeah. the stature of what your World Cup will become. And you're also, if you facilitate people's wants and needs and understand the pure, the core aspects of uh, football fans and what they want to see and, and how they want to be treated in, in like a World Cup scenario, then you will get the atmospheres. You look at the South Africa World Cup, Buzzing. one of the most popping atmospheres ever, you know, bring mm. back the Vuvuzela. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, I mean, one one thing I want to talk to you about before we wrap up the segment is and Tifo Football Podcast, shout out, they did a really good segment on this, uh, specifically about Bruno Fernandes, um, talking about how it shouldn't be the responsibility of football players to speak out when they weren't involved in what was going on higher up. You know, it should be... I mean, Sepp Blatter came out and said it was wrong to give Qatar the World Cup, but that's only because he's got done for it. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's still, like, probably a couple... Uh, like, 100 million pounds richer, maybe a billion, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, like, Bruno Fernandes obviously ca- uh, came out with the statement. He was sort of pushed upon him. He said... Um, it was more talking about all the deaths associated with the building of the construction of the stadiums. Um, and he sort of said, obviously, that's, like, it's completely wrong. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it brings about this... Like footballers are professionals. They are. I'm not going to associate the job of a footballer to a doctor or a surgeon or something or an or a paramedic. But a paramedic will save the life of anyone, no matter their race, you know, no matter their religious beliefs, no matter their background, no matter what, because that's their job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so footballers. I think we can't like as much as like we would love them to be able to speak out and you know talk about the issues around the World Cup. They are going there to do a job. Yeah. And you know how much pressure we sh- should we put on them? I know they are the figureheads of the game. We don't look. You don't ask a kid who do you want to be when you grow up. They say I want to be Erling Haaland or Leo Messi. They they don't say they want to be Sepp Blatter. Yeah, yeah. 100%. But you know it is it's an important distinction to make. So like. What do you sort of, what's your opinion on that sort of dynamic? I do agree. I think to kind of make the footballers the kind of spokesperson for like a nation's belief is a lot of weight to put on the shoulders of a 26 man squad of people that their like um, whole career goal hasn't been to become a um, vocal piece for human rights. That's not what they grew up wanting to do. They grew up wanting to be footballers. And obviously they have been given this massive platform, hella money. So they do need to have that in the back of their mind, like be a good role model. But to take on such a big moral kind of dilemma as a group of 26 people trying to represent an entire nation does feel like a lot of weight on their shoulders. Like you would love to see your team, your country do that. Say like, I don't know, one nation doesn't believe in equal rights and they won't push that but like if you're from a nation where you want to push that message and you see your team doing it then there's probably no better thing but i don't think you can 
begrudge footballers for not wanting to do it because like I said it is like a big a big thing to do in a place where like you are potentially at risk if you do come out and say the wrong thing so there is a lot of kind of like points that need to be tread quite carefully in terms of what you can and can't do and the pressure we should put on our country's representatives be it like the manager or all the players yeah exactly I think sort of the the atmosphere the attitude I'm getting from Gareth Southgate is very much they're very aware of these issues but they are going there to represent England uh, as a footballing nation yeah and that is their primary focus yeah which shouldn't it needs to be held in a total complete opposite spectrum to them disagreeing with what's going on out there because clearly they do yeah yeah I think like out of pretty much every nation you could you can imagine every nation is pretty much against what's going on but like like I said it's just like a hard a hard thing now that is here to kind of make a statement unless like you get every nation to just not play football during the world cup there's nothing you can really do it's here now action should have been taken before the world cup started like mm-hmm. uh, be it like it shouldn't have been given or in like the four years that it took to like line up this event something should have happened what to stop needs it. to happen it's too late now is out of the back end of this tournament we need to there needs to be a higher regard to make sure that this doesn't happen yeah because it shouldn't happen football shouldn't be dictated by people who have money for the sake of having money to push their agendas yeah. or to boost their economy you know or their, their status in the world um because it's unfair on other footballing nations yeah and there's there's footballing nations who've done unbelievable things for the game in terms of how they represent the game in terms of what they've brought to the game in terms of the people the players the representatives that they've given us you know the idols that we've been able to look up to the stars of football Mm. so it's important that we celebrate those things and we are inclusive you know and we support anyone who does want to be part of the game and yeah so it is it is disappointing but we just wanted to sort of like come out and say that we are very aware of everything that, like that. Um, but obviously we're going to be covering it as a sporting event um, yep. and not using it to gain. We don't we, we don't want to gain anything from this World Cup. If you want to stick around and watch us for the long <laughs> yeah. haul, you're more than welcome we're to. We're just going to chat shit about football. Obviously there is, like we said, there is an ethical and moral dilemma surrounding Qatar. But that doesn't need to detract from the World Cup is here now. And there's nothing we can do about it now. Like I said, it should have been dealt with dealt with earlier. But it hasn't been. And that's what money gets you. And so, that's yeah. a lesson to learn. Yeah, we just wanted to come out and just say that this is sort of our, our standing on it. and We are very aware. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, we're going to take a little break. And we'll be back to get into the football contest. World Cup. World Cup. The World Cup is upon us, guys. Um, it's exciting. It's exciting. Um, uh, we love football. We love this game. We do. 32 teams. 32 nations. 64 games in the space of six weeks or something. It's going to be trade juicy. Just, yeah, I love World Cup season because pretty much any time of the day you turn on something, it's yeah. football, 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 and I love it. Um, there are some 
spicy groups there are some not so spicy groups sometimes are good sometimes are not spicy yeah we'll do like a little rundown of what the groups look like i'm assuming you probably know who's in what group and like who you think let us know who you do as like group winners world cup winner all that jazz we've got some predictions from some pals of ours that we're going to show you later but before we get to that we're going to just do a rundown of the whole world cup and kind of what teams we think will do well what players to keep an eye out on all that jazz Start off uh, in Group A. Yeah. We've got Qatar, Ecuador, we've got Senegal and the Netherlands. And so Netherlands steamroller, I think. I, I agree. Obviously, we've got Qatar versus Ecuador kicking us off on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say I've ever seen Qatar play a game of football. No, and I can't say I'm very clued up about Ecuador either, apart from Moises Saicedo and Estupinan from Brighton. They used to have um, Valencia as well. Anto, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bangor. And apparently they've got a naughty little striker. But um, apart from that... I'd... Is that Penaranda? Penaranda? Oh, from Watford? Yeah. I don't know. Old um, yeah, I can't see either of them two doing well. Senegal, obviously, decent team. Won the um, African Cup of Nations. But that was when they had a fit and fly in Sadio Mane. Yeah. Who... I mean, they've still got some talent, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. They've got a good like team. Ishmael Lassar. Like... All them, man. Ishmael Lassar. They've Mendy. got Seni Dieng. The boys. But... um. Yeah, Sadio Mane was almost a, probably the biggest miss of the World Cup when he went down injured for Bayern in their last game pre-World Cup. But he got selected in the squad and apparently the injury isn't as bad as initially first thought. So I think for all Senegalese man out there, they'll be buzzing that Sadio Mane should be around for the World Cup. And if they are, if he is... I think they'll do all right. I think they'll do all right. They'll get out of the group. But if... I think if he's not playing, yeah. it could be sticky. Yeah, I think if you're looking at potentially Ecuador or Senegal for that second spot, I mean, yeah. stranger things have happened. We look at back to the South Korea World Cup um, where they progressed. Yeah, we've done. We, that was our first ever. That TikTok. was. That's where yeah. we started, baby. Um, that conspiracy, but yeah, I mean, if if they do manage to progress from this group, I'd be very surprised. Yeah, uh, and I'd probably look to some dodgy dealings behind the scenes going on. <laughs> But less of that, we're going to talk, and the Netherlands. I think the Netherlands are actually my dark horse for this Ooh. tournament. I have them progressing very far. Do you? Okay. I believe I had them progressing to the semi-finals. Very nice. I do um, I think they've got a very good squad. They do. They um, have such a good squad that they left out the likes of Sven Botman, who yeah, I think has yeah. been one of the best centre-backs in the Premier League. But they've got players like Matthijs de Ligt and they've got Van Dijk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know. Um, yeah, they've got a really, really talented squad. So Quite it'd be nice interesting to see how, well, yeah. how they sort of fare. And they probably have a lot of momentum coming out of their groups because they probably will steamroll the likes of Qatar, yeah. Ecuador, and maybe Senegal to a lesser extent. But um, yeah, no, I think I think Holland are my dark horse for this tournament. Getting that out there nice and early in Group A. Love that. Group B, the bloody boys. The only group we care about. The anyway. bloody boys. Yeah. We've got... Big England, you got Iran, the USA and Wales. And do you know what? I think this is a really interesting it's a juicy, group. It's a juicy group. Obviously, the England USA thing is a bit always been a thing. Yeah, it's a bit of a um, geopolitical nightmare. They call it soccer, yeah. we call it by its actual name. Um so yeah, that's gonna be a really interesting game. Obviously England kick off the uh the second day of games against Iran, who haven't conceded in like an amazing amount of games. Yeah, I think Iran have got actually a quite an underrated team. Mm. I don't think they'll get out of this group because it's actually quite a hard group, and I think England will do well to top the group. But um, yeah, it's quite a hard group. I could see 
pretty much anyone getting a result over anyone and I wouldn't be surprised. It's, it's a group, especially for England, it's a group of uh, slip-ups. Yeah, 100%. Because I could easily see England drawing or even losing like a 1-0 to any of these teams. Yeah. But if England turn up and actually play football like they did in the last like 20 minutes against Germany yeah. in that recent friendly, uh, sorry, Nations League game, then England could steamroll the group. So it really does bode sort of like a really weird environment for England. Um, I think they want to put down a marker in this group and try and batter some of the teams, but I think it could but be the difficult. the problem is, Gareth Southgate has never been like that. A batter, I know. So Good, good man. <laughs> <laughs> That's the standard we're at now, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I think sort of if England do get out of this group, I think they'll be better off for it than someone like the Netherlands who will steamroll their group because they won't have had to play those challenging games. I was about to say that. you, If you go in immediately and you know you're in a competition, that steads you better you play at a higher level, than like you? slapping shit nations 5-6-0. Yeah, exactly. Like, your confidence will be high, but you won't be like... You won't be getting ahead you of You won't be like fucking clued in. And like sometimes it's... I can see England in any of these games going behind by a goal or, you know, like maybe even get like only yeah. scraping a draw against a team. Well, it's like and in- like being put in those positions gives you like mental fortitude. So like when you, if you do get to the quarterfinals, like you go a goal behind, yeah. you're not instantly thinking we're out of this because we've done it before. Whereas if you're like Holland and you've battered Qatar 6-0 and then you beat Ecuador 3-0 and you beat Senegal like 1-0, and then you go to the semis and or like hard quarters, and you, and you end up like conceding the goal to Argentina. You're thinking, shit, like, yeah. what we do? It's like England in the World Cup when they had that shit game against Tunisia and Harry Kane got that like last minute winner. And you kind of, you knew that that would bode them well. And that's why they got to the semis. It's because they were, they knew from the offset that they were in a tournament and they were, they had to fight for every win. Whereas like, yeah, like you said, if you just go around slapping teams for fun, the first adversity that you come across, you're going to be like, oh shit, this isn't expected and probably fold. And in tournament football, you have no like um, opportunities to sort yourself out once you've had a bad game. If you get out of the groups and have a bad game, you're out of the tournament. So you need to be on crud from moment one. And I think that'll be good for England. If they can get out of this group, be it first, be it second, you'd rather it be first. Um, yeah, I think that'll put them in good stead. Who do you reckon... If we're both assuming England get out of the group, who do you reckon gets out with them? I've gone for Wales. I've gone for USA. Gone for USA? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? It was a... I could have picked any one of these three teams, to be honest. Because the only issue is I'm not as informed on Iran as I would like to be um, coming into these group stages. But I think Wales have that star power that potentially the USA, I know they've got some big names, mm. but I, I think that Wales sort of have that bit of more grit about them. Mm. I know the USA in like recent friendlies like suffered a defeat to like Japan, I believe. Yeah, they've had a couple of ropey and games. Yeah, I, I can't say I know enough about Iranian football to actually give my opinion on their national team. I just know that they've got a fantastic defensive record recently. But um, I went for Wales because I think Wales will be the team to put up the... Uh, the Gareth Bale factor. The Gareth Bale factor, they've got players like Aaron Ramsey, I believe. The boy, yeah, uh, Brendan Johnson. The squad. Yeah. Dan James is a really good player. Yeah. Keith yeah. more up front. Yeah. They've so, got good players. I do agree. I just think USA, as a unit, I think a, a better unit. They seem, they've got like similar level of quality, in my opinion, all the way through the team. It's not like fucking Wales, where you've got a front line that's sick and then like a defence is pretty average and like a midfielder's like meh. 
it's all kind of like you've got solid seven or eight out of tens throughout the team. And I think that'll bode USA quite well. So you've got USA coming up second. I mean, if England win, yeah. they top their group and Senegal finish um, second in Group A, that means that we'll meet in the round of 16, um, which could be a r- really interesting game. Love I'd, lo- I'd love to see that. I think that's how my prediction goes anyway. We've got um, England versus Senegal in the second round. Um, but yeah, Group C. The boy, Leo Messi. Can he bring home the World Cup? Can he do what he hasn't done? I would love it for him. Yeah, I am secretly supporting Fuck Argentina Cristiano behind. Ronaldo. Obviously, Fuck Piers Morgan. We're back in Leo. If we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> that, that interview's not even out yet. That is carnage. Um, but yeah, it's Leo Messi's world and we just live in it. To be it honest. He's back on form. He's doing things in uh, Ligue 1 that he shouldn't be doing at his age because it's just disgusting. I think in every kind of attacking metric, he is topped by like a country mile he across is just, Europe, is which is still great. still the best player in the world. Yeah, easily. It's like, how can you be the best player in the world, then take a dip, which everyone kind of just assumed was like natural you, you, your yeah. natural decline into old age and you'd never be the same. How can you just like resurge and yeah. become like the best in the world again? Psych. It, literally you. he's just like I'll let you man think you're good yeah. for a bit and then I'll just come back Mbappe and... was getting a bit too big so he had to show <laughs> yeah, what a proper literally. footballer was like but yeah Argentina Saudi Arabia Mexico and Poland I think we both agree that Argentina will be the one to go for I can, I've got Lionel Messi as my um, top goal scorer and I've got him as my best player of the tournament and I just fancy him to slap some uh, like come out of the group stage with like 10 goals a million or goals already yeah yeah like he, Saudi Arabia I can imagine them bashing like four or five nil and then Mexico decent outfit haven't really got the star power of recent years where they had like Chicharito yeah have they still got a show and goal I can't remember yeah, yeah. you see all those memes where it's like he's it's just, well he just hibernates season. until yeah. it's World Cup and then he comes out but yeah they haven't really got that sort of same level of star power no. that they used to uh, they've had in recent years and Poland obviously it's the Lewandowski factor they've got some other good players yeah. um, they've got a decent but it's a fairly ageing squad in terms of like they used to have like players like uh, Blahovic and um, yeah Piszczek Lewandowski's obviously like 34 now. Mm. So, you know, but... I, I think it'll be a tight group in who gets out with Argentina. I think Argentina steamrolled the group. I don't know. I have a little bit of Saudi Arabian faith. I, I mean, don't know they're why. They're sort of in their, their region. Because oh, the thing with Saudi Arabia is kind of like in the sense that like Germany, like 80% of the players that get called up for Germany are playing in the Bundesliga. And kind of like most nations, actually. But Saudi Arabia... Every player that is getting called up is just in the Saudi Arabian League. So I think they've all kind of just used to play it and we'll kind of just treat it as like club football. It's like, oh, we've just gone as our club to the World Cup. So I think they'll have a bit of team chemistry that will make them quite hard to break down. That's an interesting outlook on it. But, but I yeah, think, I think Mexico and Poland will beat them to the second Yeah, place. I think they're just kind of like a tier above, aren't they? So it'll be, I think, two, three tiers. We shall see if Saudi Arabia yeah. get out of this group. Uh, eat your words, mate. But well, mate, I think... back it, him. Back it. Put Saudi Arabia second in your, in your predictions. Yeah, fuck it. Oh, right, they, cool. they get knocked out anyway. But um, <laughs> for, literally any team that isn't Argentina in this group gets knocked out in the first round of 16 anyway. Cool. But, yeah, we both have a lot of faith in Leo Messi kind of taking this I would love to see him take by it By the home. scruff of his neck yeah. and leading. If England don't win it, I want Argentina to. Because the problem with the last World Cup and the World Cup before, is that Leo Messi was in an Argentina team that was kind of full of... Semi-big names. Uh, like, the front line was all always techie legends. Carlos Tevez, Sergio Aguero, Di Maria. Higuain. Higuain, all them, man. 
But then anywhere else that wasn't the front line was just absolute scrubs, mate. And so it was a really balanced squad now. Yeah. So it was Leo Messi just kind of like attacking, attacking. Oh, piss. Um, it was Leo Messi just attacking and then the whole man would get shagged because um, the team wasn't good enough. Whereas, like you said... That is the technical term for it. Now, the team is very balanced. They've got midfielders, which they never had, that are like top European level in the likes of La Celso, um, fucking... Who's the other Donny that is in the middle with La Celso? This is awkward. But, I mean, they've got players like Lissandro Martinez. Yeah, they've got they've all got, they've round got really a, a bit of a is solid a, a squad. Aruha from Barcelona's also travelled. I don't care. So, Do you yeah, know what? The squad is balanced now. And what they've got as well is a striker that Leo Messi worked quite well with in Lautaro Martinez. Who scored the same amount of goals he did in qualifying so, without penalties. So I think it's going to look quite good for Argentina. And I think they'll get quite far into the World Cup. We're going to take a short break because Roz has decided to smash up the set. But um, we'll be back with uh, Group D and our predictions for that. Sorry, boys. Sort it out, mate. Fix the mic. It was Leo Paredes and Rodrigo De Paul as well. Imagine that as a nice midfield if you've got Lo Celso, Paredes and Rodrigo De Paul. That is balanced to like a top tier level. Rounding up, Argentina get through, smash the group. Yeah. And whoever gets out second doesn't really matter because they're going out in the round of 16. To a team in Group D, which is actually a bit of a stacked... Well, not stacked group, but the two teams that I think will get out of the group. So Group D is France, Australia, hold tight the bloody boys, uh, Denmark and Tunisia. And in France and Denmark, who I think we both assume are getting out of this group, I think are two pretty good outfits. And in my opinion, I know you said um, you had Netherlands as your dark horse. I've got Denmark as my dark horse for the tournament. They've done well in the Euros, didn't they? And um, I think in qualifying, they had joint best record in qualifying with Germany. Yeah, I mean... So, very good outfit, very balanced. they got very like solid... Like say, they, like, they haven't got star, star players, but every player in, in each position is very good. Yeah. Which sometimes creates a better unit than, you know, just shoving Lionel Messi at the top of a very shit team. Yeah. You've got um, a solid defensive unit, Jankin Anderson... Um, Fucking Kasper Schmeichel, um, Kier, decent defensive unit. Then a midfield of Hoiberg and Eriksson, very solid. And up top, you've got the likes, I don't know, Kasper Dolberg. All... It's just, yeah, like you said, it's all very balanced. And they've been playing together for a while now. I think like all the stars... It's a very have... asserted squad, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's not like you've called up a bunch of newcomers... In like some, I don't know, like Argentina got quite a lot of people that are like under like 30 caps. Whereas like, I can imagine most of the Denmark squad... Got to be like 50-ish caps deep now. And yeah, I think very good track record so far. And yeah, I think they'll do quite well in this tournament. Yeah, I agree. Um, the one for me to talk about is France, obviously. Um, see a lot of people saying that they're not very sure about France. Um, and that like obviously they're previous winners. There's a uh, next World Cup. They're doomed to fail. It's happened before. But their squad is so good. I think it- like at a minimum... That squad, even if it's not playing well, gets out of the groups just by the oh, th- the, that, the level of star quality they've got. They could have a squad out of the players they didn't call up that would get in uh, get out of that group. Yeah, that is the, that is the levels we're talking about. And I think for France, anything less than a, maybe a semi final yeah. is failure. Um, and even then, I'd still think if they didn't make the final with the teams they have, it's, it would be 
pretty uh, detrimental to their success as a nation. As a nation, that might be a bit extreme, but yeah, it is. Um, I mean, you look at the front line. You've got Benzema, you've got Mbappe, you've got Griezmann. I know he's not played that much this season, but you've got Nkuku. You've got Nkuku, yeah. They've got just Usman an abundance Dembele, of talent. Yeah, They've got um, players like Tushimeni and Kamavinga, you know. Yeah, the only thing they're missing is Prime Kante and Prime Pogba, both kind of... I don't even know if Kante would start for them. Nah, they're both on like the tail end of their careers now, but that is what carried them to the World Cup, wasn't it? Having a, yeah, a centre midfield unit of uh, Prime Kante and Prime Pogba is just different level. And like they've got a brilliant... I mean, they've got Hugo Lloris in goal. Fucking so average. Um, but, which, you know, it, it could come back to bite them. does it matter when you've got big Willy Saliba in front of you, mate? Fucking easy peasy. Canate, Kimpembe. Oh, they got such just outrageous quality throughout the team. And I think Ballon winning Karim Benzema, who never used to get called up for France, is now leading the line. Yeah, I just think that there is, Juicy. they are potentially the best squad on paper in this yeah. competition. Um, and it will be frightening if they get going because I can't see anyone potentially stopping a fully formed, rolling, flowing France side. I have one team and I'll let you know who it was later. But in my predictions, I had France getting to the final and losing. Ooh. Um, right, I I actually have a very interesting team beat in France in the semi final. So, or no, maybe it's a uh, quarters. I can't remember. I'll figure it out. But yeah, um, interesting group. I think Australia and Tunisia are actually there not for the that vibes. bad. <laughs> they are there for vibes. I think they will struggle to get second off Denmark. I could see, even see Denmark finishing top of this group. I've got Kareem or Mbappe for top goal scorer. I can't decide at the moment. I'll come back to you by the end of the pod with a confirmed top goal scorer. But I think one of them two is just going to slap goal-wise. And I'm leaning towards Kareem. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I think Tunisia are actually not a bad team. I think potentially could, could throw a little bit of an upset against maybe Denmark or France. Um, Australia, I think, might actually be the weakest team in this group. Yeah, I don't see either of them two getting anything. They've got no Tim Cahill, mate. I see France and Denmark maybe drawing when they play each other and then beating the other two. Um, Group E? Yep, and this is a stacked group. In my opinion, the hardest group. Yeah, I think this is my... Maybe with Group G. Actually, no, I think Group G is my potential group of death. But um, Group E, we've got Spain, Costa Rica, Germany and Japan. I think I only remember Costa Rica from that group where it was like Italy, England, Costa Rica and Uruguay. Who was the uh, Arsenal Donny that the they had? Joel Campbell. No, the... Um... Joel Campbell. Uh, yeah, my, yeah, Joel Campbell, yeah. And they had another guy, didn't they? I don't know. But in the Brazil World Cup, it was the group of Costa Rica, Germany, uh, England and... No, Italy, England and Uruguay. And everyone was like, Italy and England are going to steamroll this group. And bloody Uruguay and Costa Rica qualified. And so that's like the only thing that triggers my mind whenever I see um, Costa Rica in like a World Cup group. I'm like, fuck me, they're going to do something spicy. But I unfortunately don't reckon they have the quality to get out of this group. I think this might be the hardest one to predict the straight up winner of. I'm going Germany. You think? I think I, I I do agree. I think Germany are the better team. Let me talk to you about Germany. I've got them as my winners of the World Cup. Bow, bow, pshaw, bow. I don't want it to happen. I'd rather it not happen. I'd rather it be the bloody English boys or Argentina and Messi. But 
I did the old predictor thing. I was kind of like just they'll beat them, they'll beat them, they'll beat them. And it Suddenly. kind of just led to Germany winning the World Cup, beating France in the final. I think they've had a bit of a sticky recent patch. The Nations League for them wasn't that good. And so I think everyone's kind of underestimating them. But the unit that the German um, Hansi Flick has put together, if, Very he, good. if he can get them firing, they will steamroll most teams. Because they have, I know we've been talking about quality throughout the team. Germany are like the definition of quality throughout the team. You say that, but an out-and-out striker is probably the only thing they're missing. Whereas, like, but I think but you'd they ra- have enough goals in that. Yeah, move, like, you would rather field, miss yeah. that. Whereas, like, England have got the probably one of the best strikers in the tournament and forward line and midfield is good, but they have such a whack defense with all the injuries and everything. And you'd yeah. rather have a solid defensive midfield that provides you goals and then have no one up top I because. Mean, you can get goals from anywhere yeah. else, but if your defensive unit isn't that great, you concede him. But Germany, the unit is strong. Best goalkeeper in the world, if Manuel. I don't know if Manuel is actually starting. He might be, but even I think if he's not, fucking yeah. um, to Stegen, solid as well. Back unit so but, good. No, no. Joshua Kim, he didn't get called up. Why not? He's he's one of the greatest goalkeepers of all time, in my opinion. Joshua Kimmich, if he's firing, he's gonna turn up. Him and Goretzka, Gundogan, lovely Musiala, mate. And let's talk about Musiala. I think I slept on him a bit because I wasn't really like, I was like, oh, Jude Bellingham or Pedri. But Musiala is actually outrageous. Just, yeah. To be Germany's star cam at 18 years old, you know the boy's got tech. He's actually just levels and he's You know the boy's got tech. And then him in the middle with Serge Nabry and um, Leroy Sane. That's fuego. That's fuego, mate. Like, mate, it's, it's um, maybe too hot to handle. If I was a defender and I had them three running at me, mate, I'd subbing myself off because that is raj. Um, so yeah, I think Germany do very well in this tournament and probably win it unless they. You can you can always get there and just have like a world class stinker. But I think if if they're playing at their level. They'll do very well. Yeah, I agree. I think Germany are my favourites for this group. Um, I think Japan or Costa Rica fight over who's going to finish. Yeah, bottom. talking about Fuego. But what are you saying about Spain? I'm interested. Spanish. I'm. I'm. I don't know, man. You're asking me. Um, I'm excited to see the Spain squad because they've got players like Gabi, like um, Pedri. Um, Some very notable omissions, though. No Sergio Ramos. No David de Gea. No, no Thiago. Yeah. So. What does I mean, that make you think about the Spanish squad? That they I feel like they're taking a different approach. Yeah, to this they aren't getting called up. That's interesting. And potentially it's like, oh, we don't have to win this one because our squad is going to be better for the next one. Yeah, it's very true. Um, but football is an ever-changing game and it changes like that. So, mm. I mean, suddenly out of nowhere, there's like 14 new 18-year-olds on the scene who are just going to tear it up. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think we can expect another season of Spain dominating 85% of the ball with like two shots on target and then losing yeah but um, I'm, I'm excited because they do play good football and they I do. think that you know they haven't got the players of the past where they used to have the David Villa they used to have the Iniesta the Xavi the it's Fabregas. a very different it's, it's a very yeah exactly Busquets yeah it's, it's very it's, different it's a, it's a young squad that are kind of learning their trade I think they want to kind of emulate obviously they want to emulate that team because that team won the World Cup but I think they want to emulate how that team plays in the sense that, like you said, very possession heavy, very kind of 
kill you in your own box. Like, don't let... Kind of how Pep Guardiola's City play. They just suffocate you. And I think they will eventually get there, but they're kind of at the start of that kind of learning how to be that kind of um, international team. Like we said, they've got so many youngsters in that team that I think this tournament is too early for them to do anything super notable. Yeah, I agree. Um, moving on to Group F, we've got Belgium, Canada, Morocco and Croatia. And um, I think you look at this group, you think Belgium, too good for pretty much every team. Croatia, an aging side. I mean, Luka Modric is still a phenomenal player, but um, like they're not that team. That sort yeah, of, not the peak know. of their powers anymore. Um, but for me, the interesting team in this group is actually Morocco. I'm very interested. And that's not just it's because... It's not because of Ilya's chair. It's not. I have I actually have Morocco progressing out of this group. Do you? In second place above Croatia. Damn. Um I don't even think Cher will get he'll get minutes off the bench, but he won't be a starter. Um but I think the Morocco squad is actually very good. I think uh Akraf Hakimi is a very, very good uh Yeah, probably one of the best right backs in the world. Yeah. Um and I think they're a very uh, well balanced squad. Obviously they should have taken Adel Tarat, but that's just disappointing. Uh, but yeah, no, I think I think Morocco could surprise a few teams in this World Cup. Yeah, I think the same. Well, I, not that I know too much about uh, Morocco or Canada, but both of them have got like a couple of gems. Like Canada have got Jonathan David, who is like elite level striker. Like you said, Alfonso Davies. Alfonso Davies, elite level defender, and it's kind of the same with Morocco, elite in um, Ashraf Hakimi. So yeah, they've got star power. But I, in my opinion. Belgium and Croatia get out of this group. But I do want to say that I think... I know a lot of people kind of put decent eggs in the Belgium and Croatia baskets, but I think their squads are both at the end of a, like a cycle. I think Belgium had such an elite group of gems that grew up and everyone was like, they're going to fucking dominate international football they for like a 10-year period. period. They had Hazard, Hazard, De Bruyne, prime Lukaku. De Bruyne, Lukaku, yeah. All these men, like Toby Alderweireld and Vertonghen, is like yeah. two Evo of the best centre-backs. But they've achieved nothing with that group of players. And now Hazard probably doesn't even touch the squad. Um, they're still playing Vertonghen and Alderweireld as they're their like centre-backs. But they're like 90 years old. Yeah. The only decent player is Kevin De Bruyne. And he'll carry them to out of the group. I think Thibaut Courtois is a... Very, oh, yeah. He might be like the best goalkeeper level. in the tournament. Yeah. and But like, I think... They'll only get you so far. The rest of the team is at the end of this cycle now. And I don't think Belgium will do too much beyond kind of like, I don't know, quarters. Maybe a quarter of yeah. yeah. Um, and same with Croatia. Like you said, Luka Modric getting on now. And they had like defensive unit of Lovren and Vida. They're quite old now. So I think both of these teams are good. And in tournament football, age doesn't really matter because it's only like, you only play like six games at max really. So if you're on crud immediately, it could get you quite far. But I think they're probably just at the end of their cycle where I think, yeah, this tournament is probably going to be too much for them. Um, moving on to what we both uh, think is sort of the group of death. Bit of a tech group. group. G, yeah. You've got uh, Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland and Cameroon. And I think this is going to be the spiciest group. You've got the Brazilian flair. You've got that Cameroon flair. You've got like the Serbian, like the hard nuts, mate. <laughs> Micho, Micho headers, mate. Yeah, Twenty-five headers this tournament. Let's go. And then you've got the uh, the subtle Swiss who somehow seem to do quite well in every tournament. Well, Switzerland, what they've got is the best centre mid in the Premier League in Granit Xhaka. 
leading their Europe um no, I was gonna say European, but it's World Cup journey. They're international. Yeah, so we we've granted Jacker at centre mid, anything is possible. But I think we both agree Brazil I think are gonna be on absolute smoke. I, I do you know what like there is a part of every football fan who if even if Brazil go and batter their team and then they go on to win the whole thing that you'll be like they just that, that is football heritage. They just churn yeah. out so many techie dons and like, there's nothing better. Like you get like tactics nerds that are like, yes, I love how they just dominate. Like man, watching Man City, you're like, oh, I love how they dominate the game. But that's not what you want to see. You want to see Donnie's do rainbow flicks. You want to see Anthony do his dutty little donut spin like an absolute donkey. You love seeing shit like that. And the, the World Cup is the biggest stage. And I think that's why everybody loves Brazil because they just bring a show. And yeah, I just want them to turn up, yeah, smash I'll, some techie I want, I want to see them playing sound, like beach football. Yeah, on, mate. on, on, on the, the in the Qatari desert. Bro. Do you know, like in you know. when Messi and Danny Alves are at Barcelona and doing the like across the pitch um, touches, yeah. touches. Just do that across the pitch. Just like get know, Neymar, Vin- Vinicius. You see the video of Neymar touching the ball out of the sky, and it came from like a drone, like fucking very high I'm excited and obviously this this is might be Neymar's last tournament as well yeah. he's not this spring chicken he used to be he's not um, but he is that but yeah guy. I think Brazil could do very well in this tournament Same. and I don't think they've had a much better chance of winning the tournament in the last couple of years no um, they've got kind of players at their absolute peak of their powers and they, Neymar, they seem more like a team Vinny than, Junior they've got a very good midfield of Casemiro who's kind of like probably just on the tail end of his peak but still very good. You wouldn't want to come up against Casemiro. Bruno Guimaraes is like going into his peak. Yeah. So you've got a very good unit. Defensively, I think they lack a little bit. But it's one of those where like Spain, let's say, if you suffocate a team so much, or Man City, you suffocate a team so much, in theory, you don't even need a defence because you're attacking 20, uh, not 20, 100% of the time. So Brazil, if they can just out attack teams their defence might get away with being a little bit shit yeah and I think they're going to have such a great opportunity for rotation as well they can keep players fresh if they go one or two goals up they've got the likes of like Rafinha they've got the likes of mate if Martinelli um, scores a goal in this World Cup, I might become Brazilian but like you're looking at the likes of Martinelli Rafinha Anthony Vinicius Junior Neymar like you've got like just such a stacked squad like they're leaving Bobby Firmino at home he's having a great goal scoring season so it is yeah it's really Brazil yeah, well, one to watch, minute. yeah, 100%. Um, Serbia, Switzerland and Cameroon. This could be a very interesting battle for second. Serbia I've got Serbia good. as so my second place team so yeah, in this group. Um, but yeah, Switzerland, Cameroon are very good teams as well who could throw up a upset in this group and potentially upsets further on down the tournament. Switzerland always do well. I think what you want is goals in a group where the defences of all the other teams are a bit soft. If you've got proven goal scorers, that can help you a long way. And what Serbia have is two very, very naughty strikers in Dusan Vlahovic and Alexander Mitrovic. Like, fuck me. If you're a centre-back that doesn't back himself and you come up against Mitro and Vlahovic, that's a long day. And so I think, like Brazil, the front line will just get them goals. And I, I think the same is for Serbia. The front line is just... And then you've got a fucking Sergei Milinkovic-Savic in um, in the midfield. Dusan Tadic, very good player. So behind Vlaovic and Mitro, you've got them two kind of piecing together the midfield. I think Serbia, bit of a unit. Definitely, I agree. Um, rounding out the groups, we've got uh, Group H. We've got 
Cristiano Ronaldo's Portugal. We've got Ghana, Uruguay, and South Korea, or the Korea Republic, as they are on the FIFA groups page. Um, I think Portugal's squad is very good. Yeah, it's probably a bit overshadowed at the minute by all the controversies surrounding Cristiano Ronaldo, which isn't ideal going into a World Cup. Yeah, I've got a question for you. Will the Portugal squad suffer the same issue the Man United squad have where they are considerably worse if they play Cristiano Ronaldo? Or do you think Portugal will benefit from having him in the team? I think the Portugal squad is a better squad than uh, Man United's. So they probably have a bit more... Like, you've got Jadon Sancho or Rafael Leal. I mean, it's a debate. Leal's different class, though. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think... Oh, it is. It is weird... But I think I, I could potentially see Ronaldo not even starting. I yeah. think if, if I was the Portugal he'd throw coach, an absolute fit if he doesn't. But start. I think he—I I don't know. Obviously, we spoke about the Man United situation before. Where <coughs> is he just throwing a strop on the pitch and just not really working that hard? But I think he wants to go and win the World Cup. You know. So yeah, 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 hundred percent. So you know, why not? But it'll be interesting to see who turns up. Yeah, I've seen like Portuguese media come out and say that like. <coughs> Ronaldo's always like a different person when he comes to the international stage. He's like, um, he uses it as like an escape from club football. And I think now more than ever, he needs like an escape from club football. So I think maybe he'll play with like a point to prove, which is always a problem for the opposition if Ronaldo's on crud. Before the camera cuts us off, who have you got finishing second uh, to round up our Uruguay. Picks? I think Uruguay have got a decent squad. Midfield, I couldn't remember the Argentina midfield, but I can remember... <laughs> My bloody boy in the middle of the Uruguay midfield in Fede Valverde, one of the best centre mids in the world at the moment. I think him running the midfield with Rodrigo Bentancourt, who's also on a very good run of form for Spurs at the moment. That's a very nice midfield. They've got defensive unit of Godin and Jose Jimenez, uh, who used to play together at Atletico Madrid. It's a decent unit. And they've got up top Luis Suarez, Darwin Nunez, Edison Cavani. So... Bosh, yeah, decent little squad. They might even top the group, you know. Yeah, very, very good squad. Um, but that rounds up our little group oversight. We will do some more in-depth analysis later on into the World Cup. But um, yeah, we're going to take a little break and we'll be back at you with some predictions and some predictions from some of our friends in the football world. There it goes. Right, so we're back and um, we've got a couple little uh, videos from... A few different football associations. I'm struggling. For football associations. Nah. Uh, so like other people that are in the the football scene. Um, we so, picked out a few messages. Yeah, uh, we did a podcast a while ago with the lads at Forest All Over podcast, and we asked them who would. So we asked all of them the same three questions: winner, winner of the World Cup, top scorer, top goal scorer, and best player of the tournament. And so they've all sent in a vid of kind of their predictions. And what we thought was quite cool is that all of their winners of the World Cup, plus our winners of the World Cup... All different. All different. So put that in your basket, mate. So So we're all really winners. Yeah, football is the real winner. Football's the real winner. So we'll Um, start with Forrest All Over the podcast and their predictions. We'll just bosh the video now. Hey, everyone. How you doing? Chris here from the Forest All Over podcast. Um, I'm good at Ireland Ireland in the World Cup, but I do have a few predictions for you. I think that Lionel Messi is going to win the Golden Ball for the second time. I think that Harry Kane is going to win the Golden Boot. And the winner of the World Cup, they're finally going to get it over the line, I believe, is going to be Belgium. That's right. I believe it. So Belgium. Best of luck. So Belgium. We got Lionel Messi for best player. 
Harry Kane for the golden boot. Yeah. And we've got uh, Belgium as winners. Belgium, like you said, we believe is probably at their tail end. I think if it's, it's literally now or never for Belgium because I can't see... Like, De Bruyne probably will make it to the next World Cup, but he'll be, like, old. But then there's, like, Eden Hazard will not touch that no, the next World Lukaku Cup. Lukaku won't touch Lukaku it. Lukaku won't touch it. Courtois might, but he'll be old. Vertonghen and Alderweireld. Fuck me. If Vertonghen and Alderweireld are at the next World <laughs> Cup, then I'll be there. But, um, yeah, I think Belgium is now or never for them. Um, but, yeah, interesting prediction. Belgium to win the World Cup. Let's see what Sophia's football talk has to say. Hello, Bourgeois. This is Sophia from Sophia's Football Talk. And uh, I'm going to be giving my prediction for the uh, World Cup. Who's going to be the winner, in my opinion? I would love to see Portugal win it. What will it happen? They're going to be a dark horse, in my opinion. I think they can go all the way. I'm going to go for Portugal. Top goal scorer, who could it be? Um, that is a very good question, actually. Ooh, ha. Uh, maybe, you know what, it might potentially be Messi, maybe, best player, will that hopefully be Ronaldo, I don't know, or maybe somebody else, doesn't have to be the person that wins, but uh, yeah, those are my prediction, peace out. Portugal to win the World Cup, there, from Sofia. Portugal is... Their squad very good. We spoke about this. Um, players like Rafael Leal is just, uh, you know, if he turns up, it could be devastating. Yeah, Portugal, one of those things. So they've either got a team now that is going to be overshadowed by the Ronaldo situation, or all of them are going to be on crud alongside Ronaldo in like an effort to get him a World Cup. So it could go one and two ways for Portugal. I think they're probably going to do okay, but not go all the way. And then Sofia had Messi as top goal scorer. I agree. And Ronaldo as best player. Maybe he's got a point to prove. Yeah, but essentially, like you're saying, I mean, Portugal, he maybe treats it as, you know, his refuge away from what's going on at Man United. Can show the world that he's actually still the player that he believes he is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if, they, if he turns up, then the world should be frightened. But I personally struggle to see it. I think Ronaldo... He's he's a tournament man, isn't he? He's, he he is built on clutch moments, and there's no better time. But I think who if, knows if Portugal do see success at this World Cup, it will be off the back of other players in their squad, as opposed to the Ronaldo phenomena. Yeah, and right. Round us off. The corridor of uncertainty have sent us a video of their predictions. Uh, no surprises there. He's got Saudi Arabia, a poor Poland, and a poor Mexico in the group. So I think he should bag goals there on his way to the Golden Boot. But I don't think he'll be taking home the, the trophy at the end of the day because I think Christian Eriksen is going to be the player of the tournament as a, a, a revival in many senses of the word from his last European tournament. So he's going to be player of the tournament. And, shockingly, Denmark are going to take home World Cup easy for me to say world cup glory i don't know why this thought has come into my head but i'm certain that denmark are taking home the tournament trophy it's facts might as well give it to him now cheers we'll start with the least surprising vi- part another of the person we, we, we're, we're assuming um 
you spoke about Lionel Messi because the video did cut off at the beginning. But we're back in Leo. We're back in Leo as well. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I believe as well. Saudi Arabia, Mexico in the group, Poland. He could definitely slap up some goals in in that little uh, cauldron there. Um, but then but the, juicier predictions, turn. the juicier predictions arrive. I mean, you said Christian Eriksen for player of the tournament. I think weird things have happened. He's a very good player. Um, and we have said that Denmark as a unit playing very good football and yeah, Ericsson will be at the heart of that if they do play good football, do go deep into the tournament. It's one of those things like if Denmark get anything out of this tournament, he will be probably the star man. And I do think they'll go quite deep in the tournament. It's just for them... They've never been that deep into a tournament, so maybe they'll kind of get overwhelmed with the situation and a bigger nation will come and kind of, not batter them, but just kind of over-assert themselves and maybe Denmark will take an L. But I do like it. I do think... I think it's it's it instantly strikes you as like, what the... like. That's just out of the blue. You never but hear the more them, you that do think about thing, it, yeah. is they are a very, very well fitted outfit. Yeah. Um. So it is a very interesting shout, and you know it's different. Like we said, you know the World what Cup will throw up a few surprises here and there. I and love that. So we got one yeah. Portugal to win the World Cup, one Denmark to win the World Cup, and one Argentina. Let's go. I've got. Um. I've actually got. Uh, Argentina beating England in the final. I had, I, I've actually put it down on a couple of predictions as a two-nil scoreline to Argentina. I just think it's written. It's the script, mate. And if there's any dodgy dealings going on behind the scene, make it Qatar. For Qatar making Qatar win the World Cup is just it'd be too obvious. But the amount of star power and the amount of gravitas that Lionel Messi being in the World Cup final would hold. And in him winning it, yeah, yeah, just and it will always be memorialized as that World Messi Cup. Messi becoming the greatest of all time. Yeah, and well, he already is in it. But he is he, in our but books. but yeah, and I had England actually in the final. Um, I think beating France in the quarters. Plug Clark, let's go. Yeah, I don't know what what swayed me, but maybe it's some optimism going to the tournament. But yeah, I had Lionel Messi as uh, my top scorer as well. Um, and best player of the tournament. I don't. I haven't really thought. Might as about well it. give it to Messi as well. He does the clean sweep. I don't. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's a bit too. Messi. They like. They like to spread it out, don't they? They like to sort of, you know, give. But if he's running the show, to be fair, I think I might give it to Vinicius Junior. Ooh, I've got Germany winning the World Cup. They beat France in the final. That'd be a good final. I'd like to see that. But I do have Leo Messi turning up this tournament and doing Leo things. I've got him as player of the tournament and top goal scorer I've got Kareem Benzema you made up your mind I did with Mbappe finishing second yeah there we I are mean, that pretty much rounds up our it's World Cup time baby yeah our first World Cup episode um, we've got a couple special guests on uh, the next episode so Get keep excited. your eyes peeled for that it's going to be good the football knowledge is going to be booming and um, yeah it's going to be just a good episode yeah that one's going to be a big old laugh so yeah. We're going to be doing a World Cup draft in there as well. So we'll explain all that at the time. We'll get their predictions. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's World Cup time, baby. World Cup. Speed, if you want to come on the pod. I know you've been doing the rounds in England. You went on Sky Sports and all that jazz. Come on the pod, mate. Yeah, hop on the pod, man. We'd, 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 I reckon we could sort it out. Yeah. Sort but out. yeah, standard, like, subscribe. Yeah. But we're trying to boost our YouTube numbers, yeah? It's World Cup time. Yeah, it's World Cup time. If you're going to enjoy the content, we're going to be... 
diversifying our content as well. A lot more shorter videos coming out. So make sure to subscribe, hit the bell, be notified, be in the loop. You want to know stuff about football? Be in the loop. Don't come here. <laughs> yeah, don't come here. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, guys, thanks anyway uh, for listening, watching, whatever you were doing. And uh, it's been Bordraw. The World Cup's here and it's live. Let's go.